I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. I'm delighted to welcome co-host of QAnon Anonymous, Julian Field. Uh, we've been honored to host the founding hosts and creators and producers of this podcast, which is the most expert chronicle of the influence of Q and the formation of Q uh, as an online conspiracy and as a domestic terrorist organization. Um, Julian, it's a pleasure to host you today. Thanks for having me and thanks for the kind words. Julian, as the producer who's been in the field interviewing QAnon representatives, we would have called them conspiracy theorists since the insurrection on the Capitol and violence. I think we have a journalistic obligation to call them insurrectionists, domestic terrorists. You interviewed one of the leading um, insurrectionists who is now behind bars. Can you tell us about when you first met him and uh, under what conditions? Sure. Um, so his his name is uh, Jake Angeli. We we dubbed him the Q Shaman a long time ago, and he started showing up at all of these rallies. In fact, he showed up uh, on both coasts, and I was just surprised by how much I was seeing him. He was always uh, or almost always dressed in his uh, entire kind of accoutrement that he's now become famous for. And um, he he would also al always be uh, holding a Q sent me sign and describe himself as a shaman and, and have a kind of well-rehearsed um, explanation for QAnon and some of these things, because people obviously asked him a lot about that. So we've been kind of tracking him for about a year or more. We uh, posted a video um, of him. That's, that's actually quite fascinating where he went to the Arrowhead Mall in uh, in Arizona, in his home state, and he he attempted, in his words, to cleanse it of uh, pedophile symbols because of these triangles that he saw uh, as representing pedophilia that he was seeing around the mall that are, they, they look like an arrowhead, uh, and the, the mall is called Arrowhead, um, but he became fixated. So we've been following him, uh, and he's been yelling a lot and kind of becoming, I guess, uh, he's more of, a, I'd say, like a drummer boy uh, so far for, for QAnon rallies, but you know, he's someone who's always very polite and he used to work with children. Uh, you know, I mean, it's I think it's when, when we when we jump to words like insurrectionist or domestic terrorist, uh, it's it's easy to start to say, well, everybody there was the same. But uh, this was, you know, not a man with zip ties. This was a man who turned himself in to the FBI, showed his full face, uh, lives with his mother. And, you know, I, I think uh, in his mind, if you believe the, re the things that he believes are real, then his choices seem uh, almost logical, perhaps even heroic. And the problem is that we live in completely parallel dimensions with a percent of the population. And so uh, if, if, if you saw the injustices the way they saw them, then the action seems logical. But it's because, you know, as you said, they are lost in a world of conspiracy theories. This is the shaman who has demanded organic food and yes. uh, thus far the prison has uh, accommodated his diet. Yeah, the judge um, accommodated. Because, well, mostly because he went on an actual, uh, uh, you know, like food strike. Like he, he was not eating. So he represents, uh, at least in the accoutrement, which you describe, uh, someone who is uh, more in the um, 
dare dare I say hooligan um, or um, sort of playing a, a kind of costume um, yes. like this is the theater of the absurd or if you were to believe in shamanism or his spiritual creed um, that it has some kind of mystical or religious objective. But we know now in the wake of the insurrection in the Capitol that there are folks who are exploiting Q for the yes. purpose and Q has become converged with them in a insurrectionist rebellion. So I, I want to ask you this question based on all the research you've done to produce QAnon Anonymous and the podcast. What percent do you think of the Q community roughly has converged in its intention to overthrow the government specifically with a political aim uh, rather than a kind of mystical or spiritual aim? So there are organizations that are actually, I believe, kind of better uh, to blame in a way for this because they overlap with QAnon. They're aware of QAnon and we saw them constantly kind of kowtowing to it. Um, the, the, uh, the people who come to mind for me, uh, having covered, uh, the stop the steel rallies in Arizona are the Arizona Patriots party. These are people who are militant, uh, highly armed. They have political intention. They have, uh, you know, an, an alternative to the Republican party. And there's an, often an internal debate, you know, should we uh, run on our own name or, or, you know, should we run and try to unseat what they call rhinos, Republican name only. So th these are organizations that often see an opportunity uh, in that if, you know, uh, 30 people uh, gather that are into QAnon, uh, that already makes a crowd. And so they can be there with their zip ties and their body armor. And uh, I mean, if they're not in Washington, D.C., which is a non-open carry state, they would be armed as well. So, that, you know, we've seen that uh, uh, from them for a while. I think that QAnon, uh, perhaps 70 to 80 uh, percent uh, at the very least are fantasizing about uh, Trump taking power. The only problem is that for them, they often don't think of it as a an overthrow of the government. They actually see it as a restoration of the the correct government or the rightful government. Uh, and in their mind, often Trump is. Um, you know, in a way, he's he's part of a religious cosmology at this point. So uh, it's it's hard to, to discuss this stuff with them in terms of like basic, you know, normal kind of political motivations. Religious cosmology, right? If you believe in a religion, but you are not going to exert force mm -hmm. to demand, you know, other people subscribe to it. Uh, or enact it. So I guess my question is, you're saying 78 to 80% do observe this kind of religious cosmology. A percent of those who observe it yeah. want to enact it by physical force. Most of them don't because they are taught to trust the plan. Uh, actually, there was a big schism when people started gathering for these Save the Children rallies. And a lot of the old guards said that they were, you know, fake uh, rallies or false flags or whatever. So, so, you know, they, a lot of them believe that it will be taken care of by the military. They are not people who want to enact violence themselves. They fantasize about the boot of power coming down on the neck of the people uh, they dislike, but they're mostly people yelling at their television. I think people like the Q shaman and then others who are, I don't believe like 
as kind of into QAnon, but are way more organized, like I said, and are, are used to these ancient culture wars. And these people are anti-communist. These people do actually want to kill other people. They were the people who, for example, beat the, the, the policeman unconscious with flags. Those were not, I, I don't believe, primarily uh, identifiable as QAnon people. Although the problem is that it's, 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 if we see it that way, it's a problem as well. QAnon for me is the rotting fringe of a new American right, a kind of far-right fascist project in America that people are uh, couching in constitutionalism, in um, uh, uh, in republicanism, in you know being a, an independent and being a libertarian. And the reality behind a lot of this is that they they have um, anti-Semitic beliefs, uh, they have racist beliefs, they have all of these different beliefs, and they would like to see it enacted an ethnic uh, uh, state. But the average QAnon. Uh, person that you speak to about this would be horrified. They would just like, of course, that's not what I believe. So it's very, very difficult because, you know, like you said, they get manipulated and they are kind of ridden into the battle. And then they, you know, I mean, and in many cases, they die first. They're the ones who who, who get their their faces identified first because they don't have, uh, as they say, operational security, OPSEC. Like that's the kind of stuff that only these militia guys have or proper right supremacists or as they call them, groipers, who have all taken the QAnon movement and basically used it for their own purposes, understood that it was a mystic fringe to what their project already wanted. The president's rhetoric does align with a lot of the Q Absolutely. community. And those other more specific militant communities yes. that were established prior to Q. But ultimately, if they are not pardoned, if they are not defended legally, then the joke is on them because they are enacting something that, at least politically right now, is not salvageable. Um, to, now, whether or not it survives ultimately will depend upon de-radicalization. But before we get to this point about de-radicalization mm -hmm. and sort of the extent of it in mid the pandemic, mm -hmm. the, the question is, will there be Q leaders who diverge from yes. the, the violence that they witnessed and call it out um, so that what is Right now, to the American public, a convergence of Q, Proud Boys, white supremacists, all um, will look a little bit different um, because um, the, the Q community will deviate. I, I think that's very unlikely at this point. I, I, I know that there were several uh, QAnon influencers or promoters um, like Praying Medic, like In the Matrix, uh, also known as Jeffrey Peterson, and actually the full name of Praying Medic for for posterity is uh, Dave Hayes. And, you know, these people come from uh, either like right-wing radio or old, kind of like evangelical or, you know, uh, even more mystical evangelical um, or Protestantism. So uh, these people actually were saying, don't go in the street, don't fight. Uh, and that's uh, opposed, as opposed to, let's say, for example, Alex Jones. But there was divergence even in the crowd when they were saying these things. Now, afterwards... It's impossible for them because they have to create a mirror of reality for their followers so that they can understand what they just saw and interpret it. And they've already chosen their narrative, which is that Antifa triggered this. And what blew my mind about all of this was that the person who watched his own girlfriend that he came with 
uh, uh, trampled to death uh, in, in, in this scuffle. Uh, he watched her die and still afterwards was asked, you know, does Trump have blood on his hands and responded, you know, absolutely astounded that anyone would even ask and, and saying, no, of course not. Uh, so, you know, these are people uh, and he later expressed that uh, he believed Antifa instigated it. This is somebody who participated, who watched their loved one die. And and yet, even for him, that uh, narrative has been rewritten somehow in real time by this belief system while he observed it. Um, so it's hard. It's hard to talk about the influencers and what they're going to do because they're going to be even more uh, in, in a space of denial and interpreting it, you know, in its kind of mirror opposite. So I don't think there's going to be a call for de-escalation of violence, but they are going to disavow the violence by basically saying, "Though this was Antifa, so anti-fascist is the full name," and that's the highly unlikely. Travis likes to point out that there is no introspection within the Q community. And even though Jake acknowledges that the Q community has become more diverse, including seasoned professionals, at least insofar as their connection to Q, they are neither introspective nor intellectually honest about that. And the fact that fascism is what overturns democracy. And so they were the entity that was um, storming the Capitol um, to, in principle, if not practice, rebel against the certification of the election. We know that it's been exacerbated by, by social media. We know that the early entity of Q or the, the underpinnings of Q were on private chat boards and chat rooms for decades in the 90s and 2000s. It wasn't called Q, but all of the ammunition for it basically was was there. But it, social media until hours ago really um, permitted it, uh, amplified it, and, yeah. and made it the attraction of mm-hmm. it, their platforms. But within these last months, besides uh, the president being elected and, and calling Q uh, people who love their country, um, would you say that the pandemic, uh, beyond the, the normalization by Trump and social media, further accelerated radicalization over these past months? Absolutely. Uh, there's there's just no doubt. I mean, it, there's a before and an after. And I think uh, one thing that we noticed as hosts of the show, but also just as human beings in the world, is that a lot of our loved ones uh, that we previously did not think uh, would, you know, kind of be victims to this kind of belief system, were forwarding people, uh, you know, similar things around, you know, this idea of the pandemic and a lot of the QAnon-related uh, conspiracy theories. Um, so we we were worried uh, right from the beginning, and then we noticed that you know a lot of the new age communities, as they were locked away, uh, some were, let's say, straying towards uh, the potential of both a new audience, but also a belief system that explained their own hatred for uh, or, or fear uh, uh, or around new technologies. Which you know, I mean, granted, t- testing should be done, and and I think these private companies need to be monitored because they will. As you mentioned, with social media companies, they will take the profit over almost anything. So human life, I think, comes second to that. Um, but but I think in general, we saw the new age community expand through this idea of like anti-vaccination, anti-5G, uh, this kind of stuff. 
and basically be absorbed by the QAnon movement and the end result being, you know, people who previously would have probably been like either, you know, the kind of odd one out in a Republican family that moved to a liberal city to pursue an arts career or whatever. Those, a lot of those people we noticed have fallen back to become QAnon influencers. Uh, in fact, it's, it's, it's alarming the amount of, you know, ex-screenwriters, uh, you know, yo- yoga influencers. Uh, I mean, there's actually been doctors and lawyers that have given up their, their trade for Q uh, when it was discovered and, and stood by it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of we just saw it ravage uh, the population during the, the pandemic as people were locked inside in a, a system that, you know, uh, for a long time, you know, if if it if it was scrutinized, was going to reveal a feeling of of alienation, I think, and powerlessness. And when they did finally uh, have too much time on their hands, a lot of them turned to YouTube and to these platforms. As you said, they were you know kind of algorithmically accelerating uh, the the radicalization and the and the kind of like rabbit hole uh, effect of these conspiracy theories on people. Um, and so th- th- a lot of people that otherwise wouldn't have, have you know have fallen into this stuff. Uh, through through these longer form movies as well that started coming out during uh, p- um, the pandemic, uh, and and I think now yeah now we live in a kind of era where like a borderline Netflix production level um, you know exists on videos coming out. Uh, France has already put out their own version of a pandemic uh, 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 that worked just as well over there. They claimed similar things and just had a different name. You know like. There's been uh, we've seen a cultural reverberation uh, across the world during the pandemic that also wasn't there. It, it went international during the pandemic, essentially. And we're seeing countries like Germany, France, uh, um, the Netherlands and England uh, catching up uh, and, and, and of course, Australia catching up uh, to the United States in terms of uh, seeing their population worship either, you know, a new a form of country that they think uh, will exist under a kind of Trumpist ideology, uh, whether it be the end of the pedophiles uh, or, or, you know, uh, j- just just broadly kind of uh, re-expressing white supremacist beliefs or old anti-Semitic beliefs and reassembling parties or political coalitions that weren't functional previously. So it is part of also, I think, a broad turn towards fascism in, uh, in, a kind of, in the kind of like late uh, neoliberal age. Not just in fidelity to Trump, but also in a maybe longer lasting message against the lockdowns. Um, What do you think will be the permanent outgrowth of that um, when you think of the activation of Q, not just the United States, but around the world in converging with the anti-lockdown movement? I think that the entry points are, I guess, uh, more of the question. And then, then it becomes uh, oftentimes these days a pool, a kind of hodgepodge of, you know, take what you will and leave the rest that people stay in. Uh, and it's very difficult to exit. In fact, uh, you know, because of the fact that QAnon operates as both a legitimate political movement that's being kind of like backed by political figures that are currently in Congress or at least uh, kind of like tacitly <laughs> to uh, overtly approved by the president. Uh, but then it's also, you know, in some ways uh, a cult way of thinking. And in other ways, it's a conspiracy theory. In other ways, it's uh, a bit it has religious uh, elements. I guess that that would be encompassed in the cult uh, as well. So I think. Uh, you know, we're we're going to see a lot more people entering through uh, a lot more diverse 
entry points, as in anti-5G, anti-vaccines. And then what you feel like is, oh, I'm uncovering this greater truth. I'm coming to what they call you know, a great awakening. Now, for some people, that means something totally different. I think that you could ask someone who came in through yoga and someone who came in through, you know, let's say like anti-Semitic posts on a message board, and they're going to have very different images of what it means to, to awaken. But awakening is, you know, a, a spiritual concept. Um, but it's usually also a Christian concept. And I think that's something that we don't talk often about with QAnon is that the one thing that holds all of these people together uh, with very diverse beliefs, even within the QAnon belief system, is an extreme version of Christianity, a radical Christianity in which you believe that a cleansing is coming, the end of the world, potentially, that you're in a spiritual war with demons or people inhabited by demons. And this is not a new belief system in America. And it's not the first time that they've uh, engaged uh, in violent action uh, and or, you know, uh, a cleansing. of. How quickly do you think, I asked Travis the same question, how quickly do you think the fundamentalism that you're, attributing to Q will be uh, will claim responsibility for future terrorist incidents. Um, after the insurrection at the Capitol, there is really the potential for more domestic terrorism and for Q to be blamed, if not responsible for it. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, I, how quickly do you think that may happen? Uh, it's it's hard to tell because it's hard to predict uh, how they're going to react to what is essentially, you know, if they've had the Great Awakening, what is essentially their great disappointment. So much like the Millerites, uh, which were a kind of religious, uh, a fervent religious breakaway from uh, early American Christians. Uh, they, you know, they believed that Christ was returning to earth and that it was the end of the world. They were waiting on their roofs and all of this stuff. And then they went through what they called the, the great disappointment. Now, you know, it's hard now because, you know, you can become very, very divorced from reality. And at least back then it had some physical form. It was like you and your church were going on this, you know, brain uh, adventure. But this time, you know, everything is completely segmented and people are isolated, especially during pandemic. So it's hard to see a kind of, uh, I think, a broader movement. But what I will say is that when they are desperate and uh, when they are being told by everybody around them, fight, 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 you're in a war, this and that. Uh, the most mentally ill of them will take action. They will drive across the country, as we saw with Jessica Prim, uh, and have a breakdown, you know, on a pier. They will, uh, you know, uh, uh, as we saw with the, the young woman in, in Waco, Texas, they will chase other people uh, under the influence of alcohol with their cars, thinking that they're pedophiles when they're just, you know, teenagers trying to get to, to, to their college class. Um, so the, these kinds of breaks from reality and, uh, you know, I think we're going to see more of now, whether they're going to be as organized as what we saw in the Capitol, that's hard to tell, because in this case, the president himself was on, you know, essentially to television telling them to do this. It wasn't like, you know, some cryptic message on 4chan. So hopefully we will have less of these giant kind of public calls to essentially violence uh, that like we saw with Trump. Um, but, but I would count on a fringe, uh, of the, of the most vulnerable and mentally ill and angry and sometimes yes, violent and, and, um, and even, uh, you know, willing to do something, uh, like, you know, take violent action uh, and take it into their own hands. Those will, you know, those kind of kernels of popcorn will pop as the heat, uh, uh, the, and the pressure builds, uh, specifically, uh, as we kind of build up to Biden taking office and the aftermath of that, which, you know, I mean, honestly, we, we've been joking about it, but we, we all kind of have to expect Biden to become what they call a white hat, which is, you know, like a good guy in their world in some weird way for maybe even 
maybe at least part of the of the community. You know, we can we can only hope. Um, <laughs> well, that they'll still think that he's going to you know bring Trump back to the presidency and and kill uh, you know and kill Hillary Clinton or whatever. So it's not like they think like Biden is good. They just no, think, I, no, I, I hear you. Biden's hear you. secretly bad like us. <laughs> the final question, quickly, is just how much allowance online is there or elsewhere for the monetization of Q? Um, because while there is freedom of speech, there is no right to make money off of uh, terrorist implications or objectives or even mm-hmm. um, what is proven to be um, mis- and disinformation and distortions of the truth. So to, to what extent are Q folk able to monetize their operations right now? I think it has become way more difficult. I think if there is kind of one net effect of a lot of these platforms abandoning them and uh, in the latest round uh, platform like DLive that was still young and and kind of, uh, you know, definitely had been invested in by these communities to, to try to you know spread their nonsense and monetize it specifically. Uh, but even they kind of kicked everybody off. So I think uh, the recent wave has been a bit of a, a, a nail in the coffin for, for, for uh, the kind of mainstream. Now, you know, a lot of these people are able to still put together super PACs or organizations like the Arizona Patriots. And oftentimes those, um, you know, are smart enough to maintain a political front and, and uh, the appearances of, of legitimacy so that they don't lose, let's say, their PayPal or their bank account or whatever. I think that there's, yeah, it's it's going to be hard for them uh, from here on out. But it's, you know, we've seen them do this before and uh, they'll find a way and um there's a very real possibility that a the formation of you know or the the further development of this alternate media ecosystem that we saw that we see with uh, Newsmax and OAN, but then that we see with also all these independent podcasts and and YouTube like uh, influencers. So I think that it's going to shift and it's going to be harder and harder uh, for them to make money. But it, because we're isolating them, they're going to become more radical. So there'll be less of them, but they'll be more hardened and, you know, they'll be the more vulnerable and mentally ill for sure. And uh, so, yeah, I think that the violence in, in some ways is inevitable. Julian Field, founding producer and co-host of QAnon Anonymous. Thank you for your insight today. It was a real pleasure.